From the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Hear now these words from the prophet Isaiah. Listen carefully for the word of the Lord. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. For you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful, and sure. For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The palace of aliens is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a refuge to the poor, a refuge to the needy in their distress, a shelter from the rainstorm and a shade from the heat. When the blast of the ruthless was like a winter rainstorm, the noise of aliens like heat in a dry place, you subdued the heat with the shade of the clouds. The song of the ruthless was stilled. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'd now like to invite any children in pre-K through third grade who'd like to attend godly play. Uh, it's a Montessori-style approach to biblical education. So we'll uh, leave out this door with Miss Katie. You see her standing here? So if you all want to make your way.
Good morning, church. Again, my name is Aisha Brooks Johnson, and on behalf of the Presbytery of Greater Atlanta, I bring you greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I extend the love and peace of Christ from the Presbytery staff, your congregational consultant, Joy Fisher, and your siblings in Christ throughout this Presbytery. We are over 80 plus congregations, 26 new worshiping communities with partnerships and connections that can be found north, south, east, and west in the greater Atlanta area. It is my honor to be part of this preaching series uh, stated earlier entitled, What Now? Being the Church in Liminal Space. This morning, let us prepare our hearts as we consider what it means to be the people of faith transformed through continual conversion. May the words of the Apostle Paul and the words that the Lord has given me guide us as we walk together on this pilgrim journey. Listen now for the word of the Lord from Philippians chapter 4. Therefore I urge you, therefore my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone the Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Keep on doing the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Jesus Christ. Son of the living God, have mercy on us. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on us. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation on all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, our strength, our hope, our rock, our love and our Redeemer. Amen. Every so often, a song from my youth will find its way into my head. For me, it is a song from the early era of 90s hip-hop by a group known as Leaders of the New School. They went on to launch the solo careers of a few hip-hop artists and influenced a style of socially conscious and thought-provoking lyricism. The song was simply entitled, Too Much On My Mind. As a young black female growing up in a working class neighborhood at the time, the song spoke to me. These young men, 
talked about the underlying stress of being young and poor and black in this country. Too much on my mind, there's too much on my mind. The song has a section where the young men break into a call and response, inviting the listener to join in. They go through a litany of the things that feel overwhelming and exhausting. Waking up in the morning, too much. A restless night without sleep, too much. No reliable means of personal transportation, too much. Being overworked and underpaid, too much. The song ends as it begins, no answer and no remedy for their situation. All you can hear is a chant, too much on my mind, there's too much on my mind. I see I don't have any early 90s hip hop heads or you all would be raising your hands in the air like you just didn't care. I see that hand. Well, that was 30 years ago. And these words still find their way into my head and my heart. From the stress of being a kid in a working class neighborhood just trying to make it, trade that in for the stress of being a working mom and minister, a new wife, serving in a diverse presbytery, doing my best to love all types of folk who don't always agree with one another, and navigating a world that is way more polarized than anything I have ever remembered growing up. From 1991 to 2021, there has simply been too much on my mind. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Can I get an amen? Amen. Being overwhelmed is something that we have all experienced in some phase of our lives. Over the past 18 months, our minds have been fluttering and filled and fragmented, at times frustrated, as we have had to adapt and adjust to our ever-changing pandemic reality. I believe that this morning's scripture reading offers us hope and a practical approach for how to live when we have too much on our minds. Paul's context is just as important as the content of his message. In an online class led by the Reverend Dr. Alan Hilton of Yale Divinity School, Dr. Hilton took a group of virtual students through the letter to the Philippians. It was structured like the office hours class led by Chris Holmes and Brennan Breed that this church has offered to the larger digital church community. In Dr. Hilton's class, he reminds us that Paul writes this letter from prison. Dr. Hilton pointed out the severe condition of prisons in Paul's day. Paul himself lived under duress as he sent beautiful words of encouragement. Paul faced oppression and opponents to his message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A message filled with inclusion for the Jew and the Greek, male and female, slave and free. All the while, Paul continued his ministry with an unnamed thorn in the flesh. And as he served, ministering and proclaiming the gospel to all, even to the prison guards. Dr. Hilton reminded us in that class that the word joy or its variation, rejoice, is used about 14 times in the letter. Paul's message to the leaders of Philippi is a message that is timeless. 
He encourages them to rejoice. He reminds them to be gentle. He says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. He tells them to allow their hearts and minds to be surrounded with peace. And then he offers a litany for the mind, body, and soul. He says to think or dwell or focus the mind on these particular things. If it's true, think about it. If it's honorable, think about it. If it's just, think about it. If it's pure or pleasing or commendable, if there's any excellence in it, or if it's praiseworthy, think about it. Now, friends, as much as I love Scripture and I love this passage, this is not an easy one to digest. I love all the joy and the encouragement, but how am I going to think on these things when there's too much on my mind? This list feels like too much. If we only focus on the good things, how are we going to fight the tough things in the world? I mean, isn't this approach a little naive? Isn't it just too simplistic? If we think on the litany of what's true and beautiful and praiseworthy, how will we work on the issues that keep us up at night? What about the brokenness that we see? What about the pain that's all around us? How will we handle issues of hunger and war and natural disaster and violence and unrest around the globe? And George Hunsinger's newest commentary on Philippians, Hunsinger talks about the beauty of these things that Paul invites us to focus upon. He takes each word or phrase and reminds us that all of these words are tied into the very nature and character of the triune God. By focusing on these things, we are reminded of who God is and how God is at the center of all that is good and beautiful and just and righteous. Friends, you can't tackle the troubles of this world if you forget the one who created it. Church, we cannot care for the hungry and the hurting, the hopeless and the lost if we have lost sight of God's track record of love and justice and mercy and listening to the cries of those in need. You see, if we focus on these things that Paul lays out before us, we will find ourselves in deep connection and communion with the one and only God who gives us hope and power strength to face anything that comes our way. I believe that there's something at stake in where we focus our hearts and minds during these trying times. As Paul was a witness to his ministry partners in Philippi, we too can be an example to others on how we think and live in these difficult days. That means reimagining and reexamining where we focus our hearts and minds is a huge step in our continual conversion. When we answer the call to rejoice and to focus on the God-centric things, we offer vital and vibrant ministry to one another and to the world. In 2021, our theme for the Presbytery has been virtual and vital. We laughed. In 2020, knowing that the pandemic forced us in the need to increase our digital presence as we seek to share the gospel and be God's hands and feet in the world. In our discussion around this theme, one of the elders talked about the order of the wording. Aisha, shouldn't we care about being 
vital more than, than virtual? I, mean, I said, yes, absolutely. You know, it doesn't matter what the order is. If it's virtual and vital or vital and virtual, what matters is our vitality as the people of God. Of course, it's important for the 21st century church to know how to get the message across multiple digital platforms. We should care about proclaiming the word across YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and even TikTok. We should implement what Bruce Reyes Child calls tech deacons, a group of people who will offer care and support while we are in a live session like worship or Bible study or even a stated meeting. We should do the work and the heavy lifting so that we can reach those with the good news, whether we are in person only, virtual only, or hybrid like we are today. While our digital presence in the world can make a difference, the biggest change we can make in the world is through our witness. Our witness in the world is vital. Our witness in the world has the power to change lives. Can you imagine if people saw us as disciples who practice a spirituality of joy and rejoicing in the midst of pain and uncertainty? Could you imagine if people saw us as disciples who offered a non-anxious presence, a peaceful presence, if you will, in a world that's filled with fear and anxiety and a lack of trust? Can you imagine what would happen if people saw us as disciples who focused first on what is true and holy and praiseworthy and lovely and pure and just and honorable and pleasing before we jumped out of bed in the morning, before we answered that email, before we tackled all the troubles of the world. This is the type of Christian witness that is vital. It's actually critical. This is the witness that has the power to change lives and impact the world. When we focus on these Christocentric things, God gives us the strength to face the worst and to trust that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God will see us through no matter what the future holds. In our virtual and vital 21st century reality, you will find trends on social media that catch on instantly. Some of these trends become a social media challenge, if you will. It could be something as simple as a new dance routine, a way of eating, answering a trending question, or raising funds for a good cause. What if, as a church, we started a Philippians 4-8 challenge this day? I challenge you to take seriously this spiritual practice, this life of continual conversion that casts our eyes towards joy and God's goodness as fuel to stay, stand strong in the days ahead. So I offer you this new Philippians 4-8 challenge in a threefold invitation because that is the Presbyterian way. First, we need to calm the mind. Can you say that with me? Calm the mind. Mindfulness and breathing do not come natural to me. 
I am anxious by nature. I was upset with myself for even picking this passage. I said, Mom, how am I going to preach about this? I'm not that good at it. I remember my first mindfulness class was almost forced upon me when I was pastoring as a solo pastor and caregiving. I still keep mindfulness check-ins with our friend and colleague and minister member of this presbytery, Trace Haythorne. I call it the gospel according to Trace whenever I remind myself and my colleagues to stop, breathe, and be. To stop, and breathe, and be. We cannot get into the habit of naming the good if we cannot take a moment or several moments to rest and be still and breathe and bask in the presence of God. So first, calm the mind. Second, count the joy. Can you say that with me? Count the joy. By count the joy, I simply mean count every blessing you encounter in your daily life and in the world around you. Now, if you think early 90s hip-hop is in my head, so are old Baptist hymns from my childhood. The old hymn writer reminds us to count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and see what God has done. In order to think on what is pure and holy and pleasing and just and true, we need to count the joy every time we see them and rejoice. Author, speaker, and motivator John Acuff, in his most recent book entitled Soundtracks, says that many people can get caught in a loop of overthinking. And most of the time, that pattern of overthinking has a tendency to be negative. He believes that we must retire those negative soundtracks and replace them with soundtracks that are good and beautiful and lovely. And once we've replaced them, we need to keep them on repeat. One sure way to do that is to count the joy in your life every time you see it. So count the joy in nature. Count it in your family. Count it among your friends. Count the joy when the one thing went right, when everything else went wrong. Count it in the morning and in the noonday and even when you struggle to sleep at night. Write it in a journal. Put it on a post-it note. Text it to a friend. Tweet it out or post it on your LinkedIn. And finally, cling to Christ in one another. All I need you to say is cling. Cling. Christ alone is the one to give you the strength and the power and the energy to calm the mind and to count the joy. But Christ has given us the church. Together, we are the body of Christ. We must cling to Christ and to one another in order to live out our vital witness in the world. This year, our presbytery is involved in a denominational initiative called Vital Congregations. It's part of the Matthew 25 invitation. In vital congregations, you will find seven marks of what it means to be a healthy and vital church. One of those marks is mark number six entitled, Caring Relationships. When we cling to Christ and one another, we lift one another up. We pray for each other. We listen to each other. We encourage each other. And we challenge each other along the way. So church, who's ready? 
Who's ready to participate in the Philippians 4-8 challenge? Amen. Your ministry in this church, on this corner, in this community, and across the globe is vital. So let us calm our minds. Let's count all the joy that we can find. Let us cling to Christ and to one another. And may our joy-filled witness bring healing and justice and transformation in an ever-changing world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Let us join our hearts together in a spirit of prayer. God of joy, the one who fills our very beings with joy and peace and comfort, open our hearts and minds to you in the days ahead. Anchor us. Give us discipline to center our lives in you, to commit to continual conversion. Holy Spirit, you are at work in our midst in more ways than we dare to hope and imagine. Help us to see you, to discern your presence in our midst. Where we hold fear, where we fight anxiety, where we doubt and grieve and even feel abandoned by you, God, meet us. Be at work in our lives. And dear Lord Jesus, give us strength. Give us strength to employ the gifts that you have given to each one of us that we might serve one another. By the power of your Holy Spirit, work through us in these days to come. For all that we have lifted to you, God, for the things we can name and the things we tremble and are trying to name, we thank you for hearing and receiving and working through our prayers. Sovereign God, calm our minds. Help us count the joy. We seek to cling to you and to one another in Jesus' name. We join our voices together praying the prayer that you taught us to pray. Praying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.